The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Well, he's managed to take a break from knocking out three books in September. I don't know if three books a month is, is his new like moniker of some description, but the one and only Howard Linsky is here with us for another edition of the St. Albans Film Guide. Hello, Howard. Hello, mate. I had to take a bit of time off because we've got so many new releases. So, you know, I needed to do some swatting for you all. <laughs> so have you? Um, are you going to be doing three books every month now? That would be nice, but I think I'd be checking into some sort of clinic if I did that. So, you know, it's rather like we said about planes. Um, you know, we, we talked about COVID, post-COVID, a lot of... Um, films were finding trying to find a release slot and this was a little bit like it things were delayed so although it's three books out in a month i wrote them over a slightly different period of time about 18 months okay all. i was just wondering if you were becoming yeah. um hartford's answer to james patterson and he seems to knock out a book a week or, or barbara cartland you know <laughs> <laughs> do you think i've one of them have read off the books that have got their name on the front cover <laughs> good point yeah. anyway yeah uh, so yes so this is the film guide what we do on the film guide each and every uh, week uh, different hosts but it's the same premise we look at uh, the the guide in this instance. It's it's the acclaimed, highly acclaimed local author Howard Linsky. We look at Howard's choice of films on free to air TV for the forthcoming week. We will look at a film that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten, and we'll look at new releases on the streaming services. But first, let's look at the cinemas. And every week, loads of films come out, and we never mention all of them because, quite frankly, a lot of them will vanish without trace and probably won't be available locally anyway. Uh, but uh, this week, there are. Four that 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 are prominent and so uh wh- where are we going to start yeah okay let's start with amsterdam which is a, a quirky little thing it's a period mystery comedy film that's how it's described written directed and produced by david o russell who is a, a, a fairly big name director which is why he can attract the kind of cast that um <laughs> would, would normally cost a fortune this movie stars christian bale margot robbie john david washington chris rock Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Michael Shannon, Andrew, Andrea Rye's brother, Taylor Swift, Matthias Schoenhartz, Alessandra Nivola, Rami Malek and Robert De Niro, which gives me about 10 seconds left to tell you about the plot. It's, a, it's about a real-life thing that actually happened, but they've turned it into a rather quirky comedy. Um, three friends, a doctor, a nurse and a lawyer, become the prime suspects in a murder in the 1930s. And... Um, it's based on something called the White House Putsch, which was when a cabal of wealthy American businessmen tried to conspire to overthrow President Franklin D. Roosevelt, hoping to dupe a retired Major General called Smedley Butler into leading their fascist veterans organisation. So they were trying to emulate what was going on in Germany. It, it died before it ever got off the ground, thankfully. And this movie is a quirky take on this. And when I say quirky, <clears throat> even the trailer looks kind of odd i must admit it doesn't look like my kind of thing but if you like david o. russell whose last movie i think was joy uh, and, and has, also american hustle and silver yes. linings playbook yep um, <clears throat> and one of his first movies was called spanking the monkey oh yes uh, yes i understand that's what it was called yes yeah. not long we, we don't it. advocate uh, violence toward uh, no. uh <coughs> any zoo animals no. not just monkeys so let's no. no no corporal punishment to um, zoo animals at all uh, advocated by this podcast but yeah he's he's just, um, he does quite quirky movies David or Russell and um, has been in the news a bit for some of the way he, he kind of barks at his actors shall, shall we just contain it as that he's been quite uh, controversial for the way he treats his actors apparently. I believe he and George Clooney might have um, had there was words a physical fight by all accounts yes they both acknowledged yeah so he's a, an unusual soul oh but 
Sorry, carry on. Sorry, I forgot to mute something. Don't worry. Okay, you're going to add it. <laughs> oh, no, no, we'll keep that in. It adds, oh, we'll just it keep it in. Yeah, 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 it does. It's it, shows, it shows that we're live, although we're recording. But yeah, hey, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But anyway, so this one, <clears throat> if you like your stuff wacky, if you like, I, I suppose a little bit like the Coen Brothers when they do the more off-the-cuff stuff where you're not quite sure what's going on. The, the reviews have not been very kind, I have to say. They've been worse than mixed. Um, too many characters with too many separate plot lines, but they have picked out some performances as being, you know, worth the price of admission. So uh, go along and watch great actors doing great things in a quirky movie. Maybe I do think that uh, directors of of the ilk of David O. Russell are, you know, the the, the sort of critics are waiting for them to flop they're that is true. itching yeah. for them because of the success you know they love they love to build them up and they love to tear them down oh absolutely and, yeah. and so yeah. i think often they can they you know, as soon as they they think oh hang on this isn't quite on on the par of a five-star movie that he might have done before they'll tear right into it but time will tell whether it's it will uh, yes as, 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 as always with new releases i haven't seen it yet but um we shall see, and it will be interesting to see if the box office overtakes the, the critical response or if the average um, viewer puts a review in that's higher up than, than your jaded critics. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. Okay. Uh, I was interested to see what, one of my sort of favourite TV actors of, the, of, of the, the, the modern era is in it as well, Timothy Oliphant. Oh, right. Who was in uh, Deadwood and Justified, which are two very oh, good very I think you've series. mentioned him before on this very podcast, because yeah. Isabel. He has popped yeah. up in other movies. He was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, the Tarantino That'll one. That why, when we talked about that, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and Taylor Swift's in it as well. Did you mention her? I did. Oh, you did? Yes, Sorry. I did. Yeah. Well, I, I emphasized and Taylor right. Swift, <laughs> seemingly quite randomly. There was some stories going around the newspapers how Christy and Bill managed to drown her out in some singing thing they had to do, so <laughs> she might not be too happy about that. Yeah, but, but her <coughs> singing record's probably slightly better than his. Yes, I think she sold a few more albums One than or two, and yeah. Bill has. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, anyway, so, that's, so that's Amsterdam. Amsterdam yeah. looks like a sort of a Coen Brothers-esque uh, romp yeah. set in the 1930s. Hmm. Okay, uh, we also have, uh, the, well, there's three others, so let's go with uh, the next one on the list, uh, The Lost King. Yeah, directed by the, the great Stephen Frears, who's done all kinds of things we've mentioned mentioned before written by steve coogan and jeff pope now this and the three of those just, just, sorry to cut in but no, the, no you know just to give the listener the idea of their pedigree they were they were the team that wrote, that worked on uh, philomena they did yes. and they also did stan and um ollie wasn't yes, it? The, stan lo- and ollie that was really good as well in fact yeah. they both were they were very very good now this one i was kind of looking forward to i still am i'd still like to see it um it's a fictionalization of the discovery of King Richard III's remains that you may recall um, were found under a Leicester car park. Uh, bizarrely, he'd been lost for you know literally centuries um, since the Battle of Bosworth Field when he was killed. Um, and this is bringing the story to life about how they found him. The film stars um, Coogan alongside Sally Hawkins and Harry Lloyd. Now, the reason this has been getting a lot of um, press coverage is there is controversy or controversy, depending how you want to pronounce it, um, because... The character Sally Hawkins plays is called Philippa Langley. And in the movie, um, she's basically saying that she did a lot of work to find this, um, basically the corpse of King Richard, and was sidelined by the academic um, establishment, the university dons, the professors, uh, etc. They've hit back big style and gone, no, that is not what happened. We never did. Um, we worked very closely with her. Uh, in fact, every time we did any kind of press conference, she was there. So the jury is out on... You know that, but obviously, what Stephen Frears and Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope have gone for is a story that isn't just about the discovery of King Richard III's remains. It's a story about, I guess, 
the academic patriarchy squeezing out a woman who'd done work to locate um, King Richard initially. Whether that is true or not remains to be seen. Mm. Mm. I think it's interesting as well that the projects that the three of them, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Pope, Steve Coogan and Stephen Frears work on, tend to be true life things. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and, and you know, that's, uh, clearly must be a conscious choice. Um, and it's tricky as well because what can be a very interesting story sometimes needs to be spiced up in order to make it into a movie. So we seem to have quite a few of these movies around at the moment where they're about eccentric people. Um, you know, Mark Rylands playing the guy who... Uh, wasn't really a golfer but he got into the open um, the one about uh, the duke where the, the the painting was stolen um, and ransomed for tv license money in the 60s you know and 90 percent of it tends to be true but there's always that 10 percent where you look later on and go oh he did that but he didn't do this and and that's tricky when you're watching a movie because you don't know what's real and what's imagined you know in the screenwriter's yeah, and, and in some instances, uh, funnily enough, we were talking about this this week on the other podcast that we do, when we had our literary critic on, and uh, she was talking about um, books that are, you know, historical fiction, but, but based on historical events, based on historical characters, and how much there is that is sort of factual, and how much of it is colouring in the bits we don't know. Yeah, and that, the, the only thing about that is, uh, it's less controversial because they're long dead. So you could you could reimagine the life of you know Richard the Third, but when mm. you're talking about the woman who found Richard the Third, all these people are still around and will have oh, quite weigh in on it. You know? but, uh, but also, uh, it would seem that the good books that do that sort of thing would have some sort of um, like have notes in the book somewhere at the beginning or at the end saying which bits are historical fact and yep. which bits are you know added in yes for flavor mm. yeah yeah um and i just need to correct what i said earlier uh, stan and ollie wasn't directed by stephen frears but it was written by jeff pope and steve oh Kugan. yeah and steve Kugan was in it wasn't he don't want to get letters yeah um, yeah, well, yeah. Be, oh uh, the last time yeah bursting the post back <laughs> <laughs> yeah mostly letters of support but yeah. you know the occasional complaint yeah yeah, yeah. but i told <coughs> my mum to stop writing those now <laughs> anyway that's uh, she complained as i recall <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what caught me <laughs> anyway the lost <coughs> king uh, is also out now uh all these films i think out uh now uh being friday the 7th of october sticking with kings we've sticking gone from the kings. lost king to the woman king the woman king yes yeah, so this is an american historical epic film um about the i'll probably pronounce this horribly wrong but the agoji uh they're a bit like the amazons i suppose is the easiest way to explain them they were an all-female warrior unit they were based in West Africa and they protected the kingdom of Dahomey during the 17th to 19th century. So I'd never heard of these, um, uh, well, women, I was going to say these guys, but these, these women who were incredible warriors um, and they were trained to be like the bodyguard of the king. Uh, they were around for quite a while. This film is set in the 1820s, stars Viola Davis as a general who trains the next generation of warriors to fight their enemies. So they're clearly an elite fighting unit, all women, um, and it's telling their story when they encounter basically the West when people try to come and take over and colonise parts of their kingdom. So it's set in the West African Kingdom of Dahomey in 1823. General Nerniska is the leader of the warriors. Um, she liberates Dahomeyan women who were abducted by slavers from the Oyo Empire. And uh, that creates uh, all-out war from the king of that, um, that area. Uh, and yeah, just follow... Well, I, I guess the trailer is mostly action and a call to arms that's pretty much all you see in the trailer but i would imagine there's quite a bit of um, backstory explaining who they're coming up against and why um, but they are real i did check them out quite a while ago when i first heard this movie was coming out interesting uh, clan if you like okay i mean this looks like a very physical movie um and yes. and 
you know, in some senses, films like this come out almost every week. But but in another sense, not with this kind of cast, and also not being f- uh, female protagonists. No, exactly. That's the difference, and and the fact that it is a, a true to life. You know, again, we, we discussed whether things are totally true to life, but this case is based on an actual thing. They haven't just conjured up a fictional kingdom in West Africa, and they haven't just invented an all-female um, group of people who are acclaimed warriors and fighters. That these people existed. Yeah. So it tells their story, and um, yeah, it looks and also stories. <clears throat> uh, you know, having a cast as it has, including um, Viola Day, Oscar-winning actress yeah, Oscar Viola Davis, yeah. uh, starring in this. Yeah. And boy, has she gone through a transformation. What I've seen, because yeah. I used to watch her on. Was it called How to Get Away with Murder? There was. Yes, a, that's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. she didn't look as physical no, as this she, she must have been through quite a number of hours of physical training to she's, get to she's been working she out isn't yeah, she? yeah she certainly has yeah pumping iron as they right. say um down at my gym but yeah um so you know sort of very strong uh, cast it would seem and and it looks powerful and it does seem it's a week of films that are being released that are based on true stories yes because that's now three yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've got, it seems to be in vogue to go and uh, take a... I, I suppose it's, in some sense, it's fascinating to people because it's it's lovely to see a film and then go, oh, that actually happened. That really did occur, you know, and those incidents. Sometimes the most extraordinary incidents in a movie, you think, well, they've obviously made that up. And then you can go on Wikipedia and go, historical accuracy. Oh, that yeah. did occur. Yeah. Because life is always a bit stranger than fiction. Okay. Now, I've got a feeling that this run of um, sort of fact-based movies is about to come to an end with our next one. Yes. Uh, which is Vengeance. Unless <laughs> True Life Murder forms a black comedy, which is not impossible, but I've not heard that this is true. So this is a, a black comedy set in the U.S., Written and directed by B.J. Novak in his directorial debut. He's in it. It also stars Boyd Holbrook, Dove Cameron, Issa Rae and Ashton Kutcher. Who, oh, is it Kutchner? Um, I can never Kutcher. remember. Kutcher. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I was looking at it thinking, have I spelled that incorrectly? But no. Um, but yes, you may... Uh, well, we've all heard of him. We're, he's been around for a while. Now, it, the story revolves around New York journalist Ben Malovitz, who unexpectedly receives a call telling him that his girlfriend, and the girlfriend is in inverted commas, Abby Shaw, um, has died of an apparent drugs overdose. But the, 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 when, you, when you look at the trailer, you realise the quirk is that he didn't really see her as a girlfriend, but her family definitely did. So he goes off to Texas to attend the funeral, thinking that she was just a hookup, really, uh, but greeted by the family like he's part of the family. And then it transpires that people think that she was actually murdered and this family want to avenge her death because um, they meant her she never took drugs. And Ben is asked to accompany them to find the truth and avenge her. But he, being not the kind of guy who does avenging things, as he puts it, um, he wants to turn this into a podcast. Yeah. And the podcast is based on how people can get mixed up and get into a conspiracy theory, but complications ensue. And some of the comedy is about this guy being in Texas where, you know, everyone's tooled up. Um, and doing things that you know you don't normally do in New York, so uh, it, it it does look funny. I tell you, the trailer does look good. I was I went in there thinking this sounds like it might be a bit odd, but it did make me chuckle. So probably worth a watch. So B J Novak may not be as well known to English audiences, but he was part of the cast of The Office, the American version of The Office. Ah. So he'd be very well known <clears> over <throat> there, and that's made stars out of um, John Krasinski and 
um, Steve Carell, Steve um, Carell in particular, you know, yes. and, and others, Rain Wilson. So, the, you know, but but yeah, he he was one of the cast of it as well, mm. and um, and yet it, it's uh, it does seem like he he knows how to make people laugh on the screen. I think so. The trailer looks good. If they can extend that over nearly two hours, then yeah, you got a good movie there. But it did look like it was worth seeing. Yeah. Okay. That's Vengeance. Check that's the final new release that we're going to talk about for this week. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Now, just before we uh, talk about the um, original films on streaming services, there was a film you saw in the cinema, uh, which is still on general release. So it came out a couple of weeks back, but um, tell us about it. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah, okay. Ticket to Paradise. <clears throat> I can't believe I'm saying I went to see a rom-com. That's not my thing at all. But this so, was... Oh, if people have read your books, I oh, know that's exactly well, what you do. Well, I'm a ran- romantic soul at heart yeah. who likes to laugh. But generally, I don't do rom-coms. But this one <clears throat> is more comedy than rom, really. And it's all about the chemistry between the two stars. George Clooney and Julia Roberts, who are very, very good together, playing a divorced couple who hate one another. Um, but they decide to team up and sabotage the impending wedding of their daughter, who's played by Caitlin Deaver, uh, who I think was in Booksmart off the top of my head. I think she's um, done a, f- a few good things on television as Yes, well. I think so, yes. Anyway, so the reason they want to sabotage this is she's just passed her law degree and is about to go and work for a law firm. Uh, but she travels to Bali to have a few months off, falls in love out there, <clears throat> and wants to marry a man she's just met after just, I think, 30 days. Uh, he's a seaweed farmer. Um, so you can imagine their panic. They're thinking, well, she's given everything up. So they unite to sabotage the wedding, and the comedy comes from their interaction between one another, the charm, the charm but also the hostility. Uh, they are good together. And, um, you know, the, the, the fact that they are going to this culture that they don't really understand. And their daughter thinks that actually they're being supportive initially until she starts to realise that might not be the case. Uh, it is funny and it's also pretty charming and it's all about the performances. George Clooney and Julia Roberts are great together. So well worth a watch. I mean, you, you can imagine that they would elevate quite an average movie you know, yeah. b- because of their star appeal and, and you just watch them on screen. You know, they could be they could be sort of like, you know, really kind of like dragging their way through 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 dense dialogue and, and yeah and to be fair the script is good but it's their comic timing as well the delivery of those lines that makes even an innocuous line you know it makes you chuckle and uh, I, I was in a cinema watching it and of course other people were chuckling away as well so it wasn't just me yeah okay there you go rom-com recommended by me rarer than hen's teeth <laughs> who would have thought that but um, and and uh, <clears throat> you know everyone knows everything about just about everything that's worth knowing about Clooney and about julia roberts but um, but yeah caitlin diva you were right she did book smart uh she was in justified with timothy oliphant oh uh, and timothy it, again. yeah oh, and she yeah. she she played um you know she had quite a quite a substantial role in that for a number of years and uh yeah so it all it all links up doesn't it it does in a, yeah. in a weird sort of way but uh but yeah that's uh that's ticket to paradise which is also um out right now but let's move on to uh new releases on the streaming services and just want to tell you about from netflix this time around which came out on uh, the 7th of october which could be today 
if you're listening to this is uh, this podcast or, or, fresh. or it could be a year ago if you're listening to yeah, it a year yeah. from now yeah. i mean it could be knows? twenty thousand yeah. years ago God, it's, it's good we could put this in a time capsule yeah. and people could yeah. find this yeah yeah i wonder what a cinema is and what yeah. a movie is this might be all that's left of, of civilization, civilization. And, and aliens are trying to piece together what we were like as a species goodness me yeah i, I pity them if it's just based on our ramblings they'll have they'll have a very skewed view of what men are like you know because we're not all this good <laughs> just saying that now aliens all right? yeah, alpha a, males yeah anyway tell us about the luckiest girl alive the luckiest girl alive is mila kunis and it's about a writer whose perfectly crafted life starts to unravel when a true crime documentary makes her confront her harrowing past so um that that in a nutshell is what it is um so the trailer is a bit vague on what that past might be whether she's done something or experienced something or not there is a a bit of a twist in this because the writer of the original story um and who else i think uh, wrote the script for this has come out publicly uh, and very seriously uh, admitted she was involved or was the victim of a very serious sexual assault when she was a young girl so i suspect um, even though it doesn't say so in the trailer that that might have something to do with the actual plot but it's it's about um i think about confused memory as well not necessarily remembering everything that might have occurred to you at the time either because it was shocking or because drugs or drink were involved so um, i guess it's one of those where you, you know the people describe it as not for the faint-hearted but as long as you know what you're watching mm. uh, mila kunis is normally pretty good in everything she does i think uh, yeah whether it's the light material or stronger fare like this because well, um, she yeah. she of course was in i mean I, I think of her as a comedic actress but she was in black swan of course she was yes absolutely i, I tend to think of her in things um, what was the one with uh, Justin Timberlake where um, they played friends who hooked up together and it's going to come back to me long after the podcast is finished but yeah uh, um, it was uh, yeah it'll, it'll now plague me was it called he, Friends with Benefits that's the one well done mate <laughs> that's the one It was. she was very good in that plus she's also played the, the, the bad mother stereotype uh, movies you know where she's uh, oh yeah yeah bad mums she was the star mums, of that yeah. wasn't she um, yeah. so yeah so, so often linked to uh, lighter material yeah but this is stronger stuff I think yeah. okay yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, that's, so check it out on Netflix yeah, yeah that's that's uh, the Netflix release uh, original film for Netflix called Luckiest Girl Alive The Film Guide with Howard Linsky part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith time now to take a look at another film that Howard Linsky has deemed too good to be forgotten brilliant i love the echo fantastic yeah. I, I, it occurred to me we need to make more of the title because on the weeks that max hartington does this it, it's max's action films oh right and he always says that he always wants to say on it he goes where he's he's taking his action films to the max fabulous so you probably want me to sing too good to be forgotten the song that you well, no, no, just just say on, just know? say the words too good to be oh hang on go again go again <laughs> too good to be forgotten I like it. That's good. Yeah, there you go. So uh, the f- each each time you come and do the film guide, you choose a film that is too good to be forgotten. So uh, tell us about the film we are looking at this time. Yeah, out. I will. And I'll also ask you if you've seen it, as I always do. It's The Disappearance of Alice Creed from 2009. So is that one you're familiar with? Uh, no. Oh, it, it's, I always it, like it when I've got one that, you've, it's, that flew past you. And that also proves, to be honest, that it's too good to be forgotten. So that's a yeah, because, good thing that not everybody remembers it. it. Um, so it's a British crime film uh, directed by Jay Blakeson, who also, he hasn't done loads of movies, but he did The Fifth Wave, and he also did, relatively recently, I Care A Lot. So it's about the kidnapping of a young woman. Now the cast <clears throat> in this, there's only three people in it, so relatively low-budget British movie, but the woman who's kidnapped is Gemma Arterton, who's excellent. 
and she's kidnapped by two ex-convicts played by Martin Compston, who we're very familiar with these days, and, of course, Eddie Marson, who we also are very familiar with. Now, um, if I tell you too much about the plot, it gives rather a lot of it away, but I can just kind of say it's not quite as simple as you think. But she's a young woman, um, Gemma Artin's character, who is um, grabbed, put in a van, driven off, <clears throat> and then tied up and, and left for a while. And her interaction with the kidnappers basically provides you with most of the of the plot of the movie and the suspense. But uh, all is not quite as it seems. And I will leave that with no further spoilers. It is very good. Um, I suspect these days it would be made slightly differently because she, you know, in terms of sensitivity, this has gone back to 2009, she is tied up, she's kind of stripped um, and, you know, humiliated a little by these guys. Um, but she's a, a feisty character, the one that Gemma Artin plays. I think that's probably clearly what attracted her to the part. The script is good and there's a good payoff at the ending. And if you like your indie Brit flicks, you know, crime stuff like I always do, this is, is well worth a watch. I've just gone on to her page on IMDb, and for Gemma Arterton, it says what she's known for. And it doesn't actually mention the first two films that I thought of that she's known for, one the of Bond which was, was the Bond film, yeah. and that's not mentioned. Right. Yet she had quite quite a significant part in, in Quantum of Solace. Yeah. And also uh, she was in the St. Trinian's movies. That oh, was yeah. kind of, I think that's kind of where she first became known on the bigger screen. That right. must be a very early. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to look the dates up for those. Yeah, yeah. It was her, her first role was in the first Centrinians movie, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, and then she was also in the the, the boat that rocked. Um, she's done a lot. So wasn't she in Tamara Drew? I haven't seen that, but that was uh, yes, she, something that she got a lot of um, I think publicity for. At least, yeah, you know, people. Uh, she was in that. Clash of the Titans, the, um, the 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 one with oh, what's he called the the the, the big Irish guy who plods around oh, Europe. I can't remember, but that one up. that one bombed a bit. Didn't Li- it, Liam Neeson. Ah, a big Irish guy. Oh, he's a big Irish guy. He is. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, as I like He will call, find you and he will yeah, kill you. As I like to call him, Sir. Sir. <laughs> my little yes. nickname. My little nickname. <laughs> yes, he looks like he can handle himself in real life. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Don't him putting me through a wall. The Irish Clint Eastwood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, so it's, it's interesting how this film isn't better known, given oh, that it got really she was pretty much at the height of her fame because this was fresh off of the Bond movie. Yeah, it was around about that period. And I think, yeah, I, I guess it was a bit gritty and it was lower budget, so it probably didn't take off in America because mm. they can be a bit like, well, we've got to put blockbusters on. Yeah. But the reviews are always very good. The performances are good. I guess this was probably <clears throat> very much pre-fame for Martin Compston. Yeah. Because yeah. this would have been some years before He was Line on his wheel at this point. You yeah. Know, and, uh, and I've been well aware of his stuff for quite a while. And, yeah, he's one of those actors where you kind of go, oh, yeah, I knew him before he was famous. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, tell me, is yeah. he Scottish in this? Or does that even give it away to say if he's I Scottish? I can't remember because I haven't seen it for a while. Right. I can't remember what accent he does in this. Because when I've Maybe. heard him speak <clears throat> speak with his Scottish accent, hmm. I think, oh, he should drop that. He's not very good at it. I'm so <laughs> used to hearing him English <laughs> that when I've heard him yeah. speak Scottish. Totally unconvincing Scottish yeah. accent, you know. Yeah. For a long time, uh, I used to say the same <clears throat> with Idris Elba. He said, oh, he's awful. You know, why is he trying to do that awful, awful English, English accent? accent? That's <laughs> funny. Because yeah. I'd seen him in The Wire and other so stuff. So he played Paul Ferris in Wee Man, the Glasgow gangster. That's an interesting movie as well. It's not, not a perfect movie, but it's a good representation of Paul Ferris's life. He was the rogue gangster in uh, Glasgow who's still alive, who came up against Arthur Thompson. So check that one, one if you want a real... Uh, gritty, true to life telling of a gangster's life. He was good in that, but definitely with the Scottish accent because that okay. was where he was from. And, and Eddie Marson, of course, has been in so many things, he but, has, but yeah. he's, he's very much a character actor. Yeah, he's, you, yeah. you don't go and see the new Eddie Marson movie. So he plays this like older lag, if you like. These two guys are in prison together, and uh, Marson's kind of 
guiding the younger boy who's like because obviously this has gone back uh, 13 years now um, so he's the he's the man who's you know got the plan and uh, uh, tells his youngster uh, colleague what to do and what not to do and he can be a bit of a bully but uh, yeah the interaction between the three characters is good and the plot is good and you're left kind of trying to work it out and then you get you ultimately you get a, a payoff at the end but I, I think it's a good one so okay. too good to be forgotten well clearly qualifies for that slot and uh it's it's made my list of films to watch as well um i still haven't forgiven you yet for is it hardware that i that, that i can oh, sit oh, through okay but <laughs> this looks like it's better so uh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah give me a chance you know it's the first dud i've given you <laughs> well you probably argue stand up for it a bit more you didn't think it was a dud no i thought include? it was great i mean yeah. there's no accounting for tears it's not my fault if you didn't get it exactly <laughs> We'll have uh, Howard's Choice of Films on free to TV uh, right after this. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know. You could be my next guest. Time now for us to take a look at uh, Howard's Choice of Films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Uh, We commence with Friday the 7th of October uh, at 8.40pm on BBC One. We have The Operative. Yeah, um, I only saw this a couple of days ago. And the reason I watched it was because I was struggling to find a good one to recommend that day. And I know you always say, well, if there's nothing good, don't bother. But I'd heard this was, all, was you know, not not just all right, pretty good. Um, and I was interested about the casting. It's got Diane Kruger and Martin Freeman playing alongside one another. Uh, basically, it is a 2019 movie directed by an Israeli filmmaker called Yuval Adler. And it's based on the Hebrew novel The English Teacher by Yiftak Raika Atiyah. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He was actually a former intelligence officer. So the guy who wrote it is relevant. Um, it's a spy thriller, if you like. Um, now, Martin Freeman's character, he's a British Jew who works for Mossad in Germany, although he's not like an Israeli or he doesn't speak Hebrew, but obviously believes in the cause. Um, he's retired and he's summoned back because one of his former agents, played by Diane Kruger, who's a sort of mysterious woman that they've managed to plant in, of all places, Tehran, in Iran, um, has gone missing. And the Israelis are now slightly panicked because of what she knows. So he has to go to a safe house in Cologne in order to help find her character. Her name is Rachel, to work out what her motives are. And it it features flashbacks to show her recruitment and past assignments. Now, <clears throat> the reviews on this are a bit mixed. Um, you know, some people say it's a thriller without thrills or it's a bit too rambling or we never quite understand her fully. But honestly, I thought it was pretty good. Um, Diane Kruger's always very good, I think, in whatever she does. And it there are scenes of genuine um, tension particularly a, a scene when she's in a lift with um, some people who the Israelis may or may not want to assassinate at any point so she's going down in this lift and there she's with them uh, there's another scene when she breaks into a room where she has to 
retrieve hard drive, sorry, data from a hard drive and put it on a memory stick or something similar to get it to the Israelis and the system reboots and all the lights come on and the security guard comes looking for her. So I don't think it's safe to say or correct to say that there are no thrills, there's no tension. Um, it can be a little plodding and it does focus on relationships, probably at the expense of backstory, but I thought it was worth a watch. So that was my choice for okay. Friday. That's The Operative, uh, which is on uh, 8.40pm on BBC One on Friday the 7th of October. Uh, is that... Uh, OK, uh, let's move on then to Saturday the 8th of October. And uh, we have... Uh, now, this film had... It's known by two different titles, but I think in the UK it was known as Edge of Tomorrow. And I think yeah. in America it was known as Live, Die, Repeat. I did wonder about that because it's always known as Edge of Tomorrow, certainly over here. Uh, yeah. But I always think Live, Die, Repeat is a fantastic title. Yeah. <clears throat> so why they didn't do that, I don't know. Um, I, I've never found a reason why, but um, I just added that bit because that's what you see on all the posters. Yeah, um, so, and this um, is 9pm on Five Star on Saturday the 8th of October. <clears throat> yes, um, so it's a 2014 movie. Uh, Tom Cruise, uh, we always see he makes good movies, don't we? He, he particularly seems to like to do sci-fi movies or futuristic stuff, you know, War of the Worlds and Elysium, not Elysium, sorry, the other one that he did with Andrea Riseborough whose title eludes me for a second. But he's done a few where he's, he's done post-apocalyptic or sci-fi stuff um, Edge of Tomorrow is a time loop movie in a sense because he plays a guy who is sent to the front line in a war against aliens and is immediately killed but in doing so as we later find out he's kind of infected by the alien that kills him so when he dies in battle he just reappears and it's back a bit like a Groundhog Day scenario mm. so he wakes up and he goes into battle again and each time he gets better because he gets trained but he gets killed countless times and the aim is to get to the source of the alien race and effectively you know kill it or destroy it or whatever you want to describe it as because not even he is sure at this point and he teams up with um a uh female warrior um soldier who has been through this before uh and because every day he meets her he has to explain to her quite quickly what it's all about and and carry on um, going through this time loop and she's played by Emily Blunt and they're very good together it also stars Bill Paxton and Brendan Gleeson but all the fun is watching um, uh, Tom Cruise uh, live, die, repeat because that's what he does and it's uh, written by Kristen McQuarrie um, who's been involved with Tom Cruise movies before most notably I think in Mission Impossible and that kind of thing so uh, it's it's a fast moving, fast paced great Saturday night movie I thought that was really good Okay, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, and I believe there's a sequel coming out. I think uh-huh. they're working on a uh, on a sequel. Uh-huh. I'm sure I've read that somewhere. I wonder if it's beyond the rumor stage and whether they're actually getting it together fully. Because uh, you know, Hollywood can be like that, can't they? They talk about oh, they're going to remake this, and often they don't. But I would have thought it's been announced that right. they're making it, and it's called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Brilliant, Live, Die, Repeat twice. Yeah, Die, Repeat again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but. Uh, now, just to um, uh, just to give an update on the first film you mentioned, The Operative, it would seem it's not on BBC One. It's on Great Movies. Oh, uh, sorry. How I got that wrong, I do not know. No, that, just... that's fine. And it's on at one twenty-five am so technically into the wee small hours of Saturday morning. You but know, I was thinking, I... as you said it, I thought to myself, what, does that mean they've dropped a Vicot News for you again? Yeah, I wonder why you hesitated. And I think what I've done there, in my typical 
uber professional manner, I've just um, forgot to edit out the time of the previous month's movie that filled that slot. Possibly, By yeah. accident. Sorry about that. Anyway, yeah. yeah but I like op- to make a mistake every month, you know, just to make people realise I'm human. Absolutely. <laughs> but yes, the operative is on great movies. Uh, on, on It's still on. It's still a Friday movie, but yeah. it's on great movies instead. And it's one uh, twenty-five. I did remember, now you mentioned it, I do recall it was on in the early hours because I found it late on when you my search, my tireless search for a good movie for our listeners. Okay. Uh, so that's Edge of, uh, we've just talked about as well, Edge of Tomorrow, yep. which is 9pm on Five Star, Saturday the 8th of October. We move to Sunday the 9th of October, uh, and again on great movies at 1.20am, so technically into the wee small hours of Monday morning, but it's a Sunday night film. Um, we are talking about The Exception. Yeah, I wonder if this is an age thing, that the movies I like seem to be getting pushed beyond midnight, but they're not old movies. This one's 2016. Uh, it's it's described as a romantic war film, so it's set during the Second World War. A war film, a war film. I didn't yes, know you liked so, them, but but there's no actual battles in it, so it's not you know it's not like um, uh, you know the stuff I normally like, so Seven Private Ryan or A Bridge Too Far or whatever. This features the relationship between a German officer and a woman who is based um, who works on the. Uh, Manor House estate area that he's been sent to. Now the key thing about this it's based on Alan Judd's 2003 novel The Kaiser's Last Kiss and it features um, the, the Kaiser from the First World War who was sent into exile and is kind of thinking maybe I could make a comeback you know rather like Donald Trump wanting to get, get back into power kind of thing <laughs> uh, under the Nazis. Or, you know, or, or Boris Johnson depending, depending on when Johnson, this podcast yeah. gets, goes out. So uh, he's played really well by the late Christopher Plummer who was excellent in just about everything that he was ever in uh and a a, a british spy has infiltrated the kaiser's residence so the the officer in question jai courtney um has to find out who uh, is the spy and he embarks upon uh initially quite sexual relationship with lily james's character who is the girl who was working in that house uh, and they come to sort of get to know one another and uh, create an, 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 astand- an understanding. Uh, the deposed monarch also finds her of interest, not just because she's very pretty, one assumes, but also he's quite inter- interested in her thoughts. And it sort of follows their relationship with the background of resistance, because uh, from memory it's set in Holland. So you've got that, the, the Germans are the occupiers in this country. Uh, and the Kaisers, as I say, are hoping that he will be summoned back to Berlin by Hitler uh, obviously we know in retrospect that did not occur but uh, he's, he lives in hope mm. uh, but it's an interesting story it's character led you know it's not it's not battles or shoot em ups or explosions not one of those kind of movies and, and a cracking cast no less it does isn't it it's good yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the exception which is on great movies on uh, at 1.20am so the wee small hours of Monday morning uh, and that was from 2016 if you care but let's move a couple of years closer to, to now uh, with your next film choice, uh, which is the choice for Monday, the 10th of October, film four, 11.15 p.m., Parasite. Yes, I suspect a lot of people have seen this, Parasite. Uh, uh, I've not. And no, I, right. And well, I've purposely avoided knowing too much about it because I uh, gather it's, there's quite a twist yeah, to it. It's, it's an unusual film. Now, I'll put it as, it's kind of, I'll list it as a worth watching rather than I absolutely love this movie because there's bits of it I liked, bits of it I didn't like. Um, it was the heavily lauded by the critics movie it's south korean it's a a black comedy thriller very dark comedy in many in many uh, instances uh, by bong joon ho uh, he swept the awards that year he got the Cannes film festival palm door it's the first south korean film to win the academy award for best picture um it's you know lauded 
completely by the critics. And it is a fascinating premise in that it's about uh, a rich household that's infiltrated by people from a poor criminal household because they get jobs there. So one gets a job, recommends another family member, and in doing so, they have to get rid of the people who were previously working there as chauffeurs and housemaids and what have you. So they infiltrate the house. Um, and then they found there is uh, a uh, basement area that nobody goes in where a family member of a previous housekeeper has been living, hiding away from a loan shark. And I think that's all I can tell you about the movie, other than, um, you know, we, as, we, as we would say, things happen. You know, um, complications ensue. Uh, some of it can be a bit nasty and a bit brutal. Um, and the end, when you come out of that movie, it's a bit like, whoa, what, what did I just witness? Because it's, it assails the senses quite a bit and is a bit you grim. Des- you describe it as a black comedy because it's listed as just being a drama thriller, but I have heard yeah. it described <clears throat> that is, way as well. There is black, there is dark comedy in it, but yes, uh, you could probably stick this one in different genres without being contradicted or criticized because it's it, it defies description in a way yeah um but there is humor in it and there is and the humor is very dark and then there's very dark things that happen that are clearly not comedic um it's very well acted um at the end of it as i said i came out with with a mixed view on it um, but i think that's partly because how then earth can you walk into a movie being told it's the best film it's won the academy award it's got the palm door mm. it's going to blow your mind and then you kind of go well did it um you, you're automatically on a bit of a well, go on then. Impress me, loop. Uh, Without trying to put us out of jobs, it's. I think if you get a film where you say you've got to see this film, I can't really tell you why. Yeah, but you've got to see <clears> it, <throat> and it defies genres. It's not you can't simply sum it up in a sentence. No, but you've <clears throat> got to see it. Yeah, at the very least, I would say it's worth a watch. It's very interesting. Uh, you're. I, I cannot guess a, a viewer's opinion of it in advance. They'll either love it, hate it, or somewhere in the middle. But it is certainly worth a watch. It's, Different. It's got a very high rating on IMDb. It's eight point five out of ten, which go. is inc- which is probably easily the highest rated film we've mentioned so far this time around. Uh, but that's Parasite, uh, which is on um, the, the telly. Where, which oh, there it is eleven fifty pm on <laughs> the telly. Four, I like it <laughs> on Monday the tenth. It's of on October. the telly. You'll it's find the, it. Yeah, yeah. It's on. <laughs> How many? There's only three channels still. Isn't there? <laughs> anyway, uh, that's Parasite. And then let's move to Tuesday the eleventh of October and another critically acclaimed film. Uh, this is from nineteen ninety three. It's on nine pm on Great Movies on Tuesday the eleventh. It is a Bronx Tale. Yes, I don't know how many Phillips in this, but uh, I, I obviously have, and I could recommend it. It's a bit older than the other ones we mentioned uh, it's a coming of age crime drama that's how it's described um, directed by in his directorial, di- directorial debut if I can pronounce it Robert De Niro who also stars in it um, and it's based on uh, the play of the same name written by Chaz Palminteri who also plays a key character in it and it's about an Italian American boy called Calagero who encounters the local mafia in his area and he's torn between that kind of the temptations of that Goodfellas life. It's kind of like Goodfellas. He looks at these guys and go, whoa, sharp suits and money and they've got a code of honour and all this kind of thing. But he also has an honest, hardworking father and there are racial tensions in the community between the black community and the Italian-American community. And it just shows how the character grows up torn between respectability and, and, and the mafia uh, who seem quite glamorous. And he's taken under the wing of Chas Palmonteri's character um, and it's worth a watch. Good, good, good movie. Good script. Um, based, I think, on Palminteri's own childhood to a degree. Whether he went down the same route, I don't know. But he, it's what he saw in his area, as a lot of Italian American filmmakers did back then. 
Yeah, um, and and yet yeah, Robert De Niro. Um, this was back when he was still knocking out the good movies, wasn't it? Yes, not just looking at the check, more looking at the script. But yeah. uh, and he directed it, so he obviously he went to see the play, immediately bought the rights, um, loved what he saw on stage, turned it into a, <laughs> a movie, and launched Chas Palminteri, who's done a lot of movies since. So. Yeah, yeah, and I, I hadn't appreciated that that not only was he the co-star, but he was also the writer and and the the, the guy who created the the play on which this is based. Yeah, and good for him because it's a good one. Yeah, uh, that's A Bronx Tale from 1993, and uh, that is um, the film for uh, Tuesday, the 11th of October, 9pm on Great Movies. Let's move to Wednesday, the 12th of October, 10.40pm on BBC One, and we have Rush, which is one of those biographical sports films all about the 80s Liverpool legend Ian Rush. Yeah, well, that must be the other Rush. This one is... uh, What? (laughs) Yeah, James Hunt we're talking about here, and Nicky Lauder. For those old enough to remember it, uh, the 1976 motorist, season their rivalry which was an incredible rivalry <clears throat> and also had huge drama in it because Nicky Lauder reigning world champion James Hunt trying to be the first Brit to win it in a while um, and it, during the contest throughout the season they have lots of um, hair raising duels and Nicky Lauder was involved in a terrible crash not James Hunt's fault not not even Nicky Lauder's fault just happened and he got horribly burned as we probably most people are aware uh, within I think 40 days he was back racing and even though it was agony just to put a helmet on because he'd had horribly burned and you know the the the, uh, the car he was in caught fire it took a while to get him out um, and he was scarred for life and in a, in a bad way but he managed to come back and complete the season and go head to head with James Hunt right up until that final race in I believe Japan off the top of my head when it was the rain was pouring down and it became a very dangerous place to to uh, race uh, this one's directed by Ron Howard uh, written by Peter Morgan, who's gone on to do all kinds of different things, and uh, you know that we're well familiar with. Chris Hemsworth plays James Hunt, and Daniel Brühl, who I always think is very good, he plays Nicky Lauder. Um, so good, it, it just follows their um, how they emerge as racing drivers as well. So it goes back a little bit further than that '76 season, which was a very memorable motor racing season. And motor racing F1 was way more. Uh, dangerous back then than it is now it's bad enough now but back Mm. then god it was fatal if you came spinning off and hit something or burst into flames that's uh that's the film rush that uh, is howard's choice for uh wednesday yes wednesday the 12th of october that's 10 40 p.m on bbc one and then we move to our final film of the week uh on bbc four we've got to have a bit of culture in there somewhere haven't we yes we've got to to support the beeb they're taking a bit of a piercing lately yeah Um, thursday the 13th of october 10 15 p.m over on bbc four we have bell yeah so this is historical period drama film uh directed by ama asant written by Mason Sagai and produced by Damien Jones. It stars Gugu and Batha Raw in the lead role of Belle. And also uh, the supporting cast includes Tom Wilkinson, Miranda Richardson, Penelope Wilton, Matthew Good and Emily Watson, uh, Tom Felton and James Norton. Now this is actually based, well we said about based on true stories and this one is not only true but true and historical as we've talked about before. Um, there's a painting of Dido Elizabeth Bell next to her cousin Lady Elizabeth Murray that was painted in 1779 and it was commissioned by their great uncle William Murray who's the first Earl of Mansfield now um, the interesting thing about Dido Bell was she was born in the West Indies and was the illegitimate mixed race daughter of the Earl of Mansfield's nephew Sir John Lindsay Um, and she was brought up by uh, Mansfield because uh, the, the alternative was just discarding her leaving her in poverty so he adopted her 
and treated her like a, a daughter or a niece or a granddaughter, whatever. The relationship was more intense than you would expect because Sir John Lindsay was away a lot as a, uh, he was a, a seafarer. So he was gone for a lot of the time. Um, and she died in this, I think, largely fictionalised, but she has a relationship with an aspiring lawyer who works for her grandfather. And her grandfather in real life was investigating a case that became very well known. And it was called the Zong Massacre. And slaves were thrown overboard from a slave ship because um, they were worried that, that there wasn't enough on board to feed everybody and, and give enough water to people and that they were going to lose value. So he basically, the, the owner of this slave ship threw them overboard, killed them in the process and claimed insurance uh, on his losses. It was barbaric. Um, and Lord Mansfield was asked to rule on this in England's court of the King's Bench in 1786 in a decision that had a lasting impact and contributed to the abolition of the slave trade. But he had this mixed-race uh, granddaughter basically living in his home. So he was under pressure from all sides to rule one way or the other, uh, but had a, you know, I wouldn't say vested interest. He had a real-life example in, mm. his, in his home who he clearly must have loved, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's a fascinating movie. Very well acted all around, I thought, and a, a good historical movie without any battles. Yeah, and uh, it, it's. I remember it being quite uh, acclaimed at the time for for the performance of of the the central uh, actor in there, Gugu and Batha Raw. Um, that this was really seen as a, a great showcase of her talent. Definitely, yeah, she's really really good in it, and uh, the supporting cast, you know, don't overshadow her, but they, uh, as in all good supporting cast, they bring their own. Uh, talents to bear and it's uh, some good acting in this movie yeah okay that's bell that's 10 15 p.m on bbc4 thursday the 13th of october howard linsky a very highly acclaimed local author uh if you were going to um choose just one of those films to be your film of the week which one would it be you forgot world renowned but never mind um rush i'll go for rush I like, I like all of them, but Rush is a very good movie. Okay, there you go. Uh, thank you for that, Howard. Uh, and uh, Howard will be back doing the film guide again real soon uh, to find out more about what's coming up on the St. Albans, um podcast through our website, com.